Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. So here go Paul and Silas. They're going to follow the Macedonian call. They're going to follow the Holy Spirit's prompting. They're not going to go north up into Turkey. Instead, they're going to head east, and they're going to, in essence, be the first steps of the church into Europe. They're going into this new region and in this new area, and they cross this body water, and they end up in this town called Philippi. Now, Philippi was a Roman colony, and it was named after Philip the Great back in the day. But basically, this was a Roman colony that had been taken over by the Romans, and they, they essentially put men there to, to in their last days when they were retiring. You would go to Philippi. You know, if you were a Roman centurion and you wanted to relax in your days, but still maybe have a bit of a job, you would go to Philippi. But you know what's interesting is when they got to Philippi, again, this is exciting. They're now in a whole new geographical region. They're spreading the gospel to regions unreached before. But when they got there, remember, whenever they got to a new place, one of the first places they liked to go was the synagogue. Because they wanted to tell the Jewish people, hey, Jesus is the Messiah. And Paul could say, this is where I came from. And, and he knew his Old Testament inside and out and better than anybody in that synagogue. But when they got to Philippi, there was no synagogue. Now, it's interesting. You need to start a synagogue back in that day. You needed 10 married Jewish men to have one. Well, they didn't have 10 Jewish married men to start this synagogue. So instead, what they did, if you were a practicing Jew and you didn't have enough married Jewish men in the region to start a synagogue, you would still gather together on the Sabbath, which is a Saturday, and you would maybe find a quiet place where you could read the Torah and maybe read the prophets or read the Psalms, and, and you'd get together to reflect on Scripture. Paul and Silas, when there was no synagogue, they still knew that on the Sabbath there were Jews who would meet to just discuss and think about and, and hear their Scripture, and they would go find those people. Well, that's what Paul and Silas did. It says they went outside the gate to the riverside in Acts chapter 16, verse 13. And there they found a place of prayer and they sat down and they began to tell the people who they were. And in this particular group, it says there was a lot of women who had come together to study scripture, to learn more about Yahweh. Well, Paul being bold, being probably the more articulate of the two. He seems to have done most of the speaking. He stands up and 
he begins to expound the scripture and he begins to tell them about how the Messiah is Jesus and how all the scripture points to Jesus. And it says that in verse 14, one who heard was a woman named Lydia. Now, Lydia was a seller of purple. And she was a rich woman. Because, man, to sell purple back then, that was a rare thing. And if you could make purple, because, see, back then they didn't have all these chemicals and procedures that we have today to create colors. Back in their day, you had to create colors from natural things around you. And purple, in particular, was one of the hardest colors to make. And they would get these sea mollusks and they would squeeze out the juice or the enzymes or whatever they would need to make purple. And it was a rare thing to find. So for Lydia to be a seller of purple, Lydia had some money and Lydia was rich. But it also says there in Acts that she feared God. She wasn't a Jew, it seems, but she was interested in their God. And she was interested in hearing more about him. Quite often when you see in the Bible, it says a God-fearing man. It was basically either a proselyte, somebody who was a Gentile who became a Jew, or somebody who isn't fully converted yet and is just more interested in the whole religion. Well, Lydia came to hear more. Instead, she hears Paul. She hears Paul preaching the gospel. And it says there in Acts 16 that Lydia gets saved. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention. The Lord prompted her, listen to what he's saying. And Lydia got miraculously saved. And she brings Paul and Silas back to her house and, you know, hey, tell them about Jesus. And it says that they got saved. And it said that after that, in verse 15, she was baptized and her whole household. And she says, hey, stay with me. Please, please stay with me. She must have had a big house with lots of room. She's like, take, you know, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about starting a church here. Let's strategize. What are we going to do? Tell my family about Jesus. Tell my friends. And so Paul was like, all right, hey, I'm going to stay in this big house if this is what you really want. And so they stayed for a couple days. Well, that's the first woman they meet named Lydia this rich seller of purple who God opened her heart and she was saved. Well, it's interesting. They meet a second woman in Philippi. But this woman was totally different. It says in Acts chapter 16 that they meet a slave girl who was demon-possessed. And it says there in Acts 16 that a lot of people, her, her handlers, basically the, the, the men who owned her made a lot of money off of her. Because it says there that she was demon-possessed, but that word for demon literally means python or python spirit. She had a python spirit. Well, what does that mean to have a python spirit, right? When you think of a python, you think of a snake. Well, in Greek mythology, they have this god named Apollo. Well, there was this, this monster named Python that basically if a 
Apollo defeated this python, he would have the ability to foretell the future. Well, in one of their myths, Apollo destroys Python and, and, and then therefore gets the ability to foretell the future. And if you had the spirit of Python, that demon of Python, it said you had the ability to foretell the future. And so people would come to this girl and say, hey, please tell me. Am I, am I going to get married someday? And she would go into a trance, well, yes or no, or maybe some cryptic, the winds blow left, we shall see. Or people, hey, should I go into this business? Should I, should, should, should I start this job? People would come to her to sort of try to predict the future. And the other idea is this, literally this idea of a python spirit is also where we get this word ventriloquist from. You know what a ventriloquist is, right? It's a dummy where basically the person throws their voice and you think this little dummy, this little puppet sitting on their lap is talking when in fact it's the person controlling the puppet. Well, it's the same thing with this girl. She had this demon inside of her, but it was like it wasn't her voice. It was like some demonic spirit was throwing their voice inside of her and treating her like a puppet. And she was possessed and controlled. Well, this girl, wherever they went, this demon-possessed girl would cry out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, that sounds pretty good, right? You know, this girl following you. And I can imagine Paul and Silas are like, hey, you know, we, we're going to meet by the riverside with that same group. And we're going to tell them about Jesus. And in the background, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. You know, later on, they go to the local Walmart and get some bread and food and following them down the aisles. This little girl, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. They go to McDonald's and are eating their Big Mac and in the booth next to them, just as Paul's about to bite into it, all of a sudden, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And I can imagine... They're at a laundromat doing their clothes. And it says in verse 18, Paul having become greatly annoyed. He is tired of this little girl following them around. But you know what he's really annoyed about? Not that she messes with his Big Mac or how she's messing with their laundromat right now. And she keeps yelling this because she's saying something good, right? It says, these are the servants of the Most High God. That's a great thing to say, but I bet what really annoys him, probably the girl broke his heart. What really annoys him is that people are going to think that what Paul and Silas are doing and what they're preaching and what they're saying, this little girl also agrees with. And people know this little girl is demon-possessed. And so if she's talking about the Most High God, and if Paul and Silas are talking about the Most High God, people are going to begin to think, oh, the two are connected. And Paul wants the people to know they are different. That's a demon. That's a lesser God. They serve Yahweh, Almighty God, who sent his son Jesus. That's who we serve. And he didn't want anybody to mix up those two gods. 
You know, you got to be careful. It says in the Bible, right, that Satan is an angel of light. And sometimes people say the best sounding things and can sound really spiritual and can sound really good, but in reality, they are full of sin. They're working for Satan. It has nothing to do with Jesus. You got to look at the Bible. How close are they to Scripture? You got to look at what is what they're saying. Does it match with the Word of God? If it doesn't, no matter how pious it sounds, run away. Demons and this python spirit and that demonic world, I just want to say that is real. The supernatural is a real dimension, and I would encourage you, don't mess with it. If somebody says, hey, you want to play uh, on this Ouija board, which you can find at your local retailer, do not play with it. If somebody says, hey, let's look in this mirror and talk about Bloody Mary and all this sort of weird stuff, don't do it. Don't mess with it. The Bible says, stay away from the works of darkness. It is real. But if you know the Lord is your Savior, you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to be afraid of. But don't fill your mind with that junk. Stay away from horror movies or movies that focus on the demonic. Just get it out of your life because it is real and it is bad. Well, this girl, she won't leave them alone. And like I said, Paul does not want people thinking the gospel is equated with her. And so he turns to her and he talks to the spirit, which is interesting. He doesn't talk to the girl. He says to the spirit inside of her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it says in Acts that very instant, <laughs> whoop, I can imagine the girl was talking like maybe in some deep demonic voice. Because remember, she's like a ventriloquist being possessed. And then I command you to come out. <gasps> and she's, what? Paul? Silas? Maybe this big smile comes on her face. She's free. She is free. Before she was under bondage, spiritual bondage to this demonic force, but now she is free. I think at that moment she gets saved, and right now in the town of Philippi, Paul and Silas are going to start a church with a rich businesswoman and then a slave ex-demon-possessed girl. These are the two that are going to help start this church. And man, I just want to say, when the Lord moves, he moves. And God will use you no matter where you're at, who you are, what you've done. The beauty of the church is that it comes from all different walks of life. And that is shown right here in Philippi. Well, remember I said this demon-possessed girl. She was owned, right? So people would come to her, please predict the future, what's going to happen? And they would pay her money to do it. Well, she'd keep 10 drachmas or whatever it was, and her owners would take the other 50. 
you know, might pay a hundred, she'd get ten, they'd get ninety. They were making a lot of money off of her, and when they heard that she couldn't predict the future anymore, when they heard what happened, they were not happy, they were mad, and it says they drug Paul and Silas in front of the town magistrate, which is essentially the town policeman or the town cop, and they accused them in a very racist way, saying, these Jews, they accuse them. Remember, they're in Greece now. They're in the whole new area. And, and maybe the Jews weren't that popular. Maybe that's why they didn't have a synagogue. And there was this big racial issue. They accused them of being Jews, which was mean and nasty. And then it says that they accused them of not worshiping the emperor. Because remember, remember, this was a Roman colony and in Roman society, you worship the emperor like a god. They had lots of other little gods, but the main god you were supposed to worship was the emperor, and they wouldn't even do that. And they made up these lies, and they twisted their Jewishness against them, and they were giving them racial slurs. It was bad. And this magistrate, this chief of police, he listened. He pushed them into the town square strip them, revealing their back. And it says that they then took rods and they began to beat Paul and Silas with rods. They would tie their arms out in front of them and they would make them bend over and they would take these rods, these big wooden beams and smack and smack. And they would hit him on the back over and over and over again to the point where they're probably starting to have broken ribs. They're maybe having internal bleeding. This wasn't just some little spanking. This was a brutal, unfair, unjust beating. And after beating him with rods within an inch of their life, they then took him to the prison and they threw them in there. And there was this top part of the prison, and the top part of the prison was where, you know, it was still rough, and it was still bad. It was not where you wanted to be, where the men who would be let out after a couple months, or maybe they're only going to serve a year or a couple days, but down below was this inner part of the prison, this hole in the middle. They would throw down the men who they knew they didn't want to see ever again. When you were thrown into that inner prison... It was dark, it was muddy, it was disgusting, probably full of rats. And, and the thing is, is when you were thrown into that inner prison, it was like you were forgotten. It was over. You would never see the light of day again. Then it says that they put their feet in stocks. Now a stock was basically this wooden beam with holes in it, and they took their feet... And they put one side of it in one hole and the other side in the other hole, but they spread their feet out really far, so it was really painful. So they got thrown into prison, but not only just into prison, it says they were thrown into the inner prison, and then their feet were put in painful stocks. They've been beat with an inch of life. They probably have broken bones. Now, what would you do? What would you do if you were in that position? If it were me, you know what I would do? I would be like, this isn't fair, God. 
I served you. I obeyed you. You told me to witness. You told me to remove the set spirit from that girl. I did what was right. And I would complain to God. And I would get angry. And, and I would just be so upset. I'd be down in the dumps. I'm left for dead. Horrible place. And I hate mud and I hate rats. <sighs> Not Paul and Silas. You know what it says in chapter 16, verse 25? It says that they began to pray. And most interesting, they began to sing. They were singing, it says, hymns to God. In the middle of one of their darkest moments of their life, they were singing hymns to God. Man, can you imagine, you know, <clears throat> in that moment, singing hymns to God? And it says not only were they singing hymns to God, but the prisoners were listening to him. The prisoners were wanting to hear, well, what's this happening? You know, well, why are they singing to God? And I bet that was the most fantastic witness you could ever imagine. Man, I just want to encourage you. Attitude is everything. You know, you can do what God asks you to do, but you're like grumpy and I'll do it, but I don't want to do it. Your mom or dad may ask you to clean your room and I do it, but yeah, I won't be happy and you whine and you complain. And your boss may ask you to do something, but you hate your job, you hate your boss, you're going to make this the most difficult person to work with. You know, you whether you're an adult or whether you're a child, I just want to encourage you that attitude is everything and Ephesians 5:19 in particular talks about how spirit-filled people you know what they do they rejoice and they sing it says but be filled with the spirit verse 18 but verse 19 addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, this is what Paul wrote later in Ephesians, to sing and make melody and to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to each other. I can't reiterate it enough. Attitude is everything. You should have the best attitude at home, at work, at school, wherever you happen to be right now in life, you need to have the best attitude. And if Paul and Silas, in one of the worst, most painful positions and places of their life, if they can have a good attitude, can't I? Well, Paul and Silas are singing... Man, I can imagine they're in pain, but they're rejoicing through broken ribs. And then Paul hears it. And then Silas hears it. And they look at each other. And they look over. Can it be? Can, can, can that be what is, is, is what I think about to happen? What? 
Well, if you come back next week, we're going to find out what exactly just happened to Paul and Silas. But man, I just want to encourage you. The stories of Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas, man, the life of adventure that God took Paul on after his changed life is amazing, isn't it? But I just want to say what God did with Paul, how God changed his life and used him in miraculous and marvelous ways, God still wants to work in our lives today. Just want to encourage you, will you let him? Will you let him? I pray you will. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.